Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of In the Reef on Teal Town USA. I'm Kevin Lacey, and alongside me, oh, shoot, alongside me is Nick Nolenberger, the voice of the San Jose Barracuda. How are you, Nick? I'm doing good. We are back home uh, in the Bay Area, so certainly uh, happy about that. And um, things are good, but uh, appreciate you having me. And hopefully uh, this is a kind of a sign of things to come. We can we can connect on a pretty regular basis, but uh, all in all, things are good. Good, man. You know, uh, coming back from uh, Texas, if anyone caught, I hope everyone caught the last episode, but if you didn't, Nick had a very interesting journey into Cedar Park, into Austin, and uh, apparently an equally interesting time getting out of Texas. I expected to see you wearing like luau gear, like the the sunshine, sunshades and like a, a flowery t-shirt or something, you know, because it's a summer-esque 72 today here in San Jose. So uh, please, uh, how did it, how was it getting out of Texas? Because it sounds like that was fun as well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, as most people are aware, I think at this point, um, Texas has been dealing with some historic, historically cold weather. Um, and we just happened to be there right smack dab in the middle of it. So um, quite the trip, quite the adventure, another chapter, I guess, in the book. Um, you kind of file these things away as you continue along in your career and um, you just uh, count your lucky stars that uh, nothing happened because there were some kind of, I would guess you could put it maybe some sketchy moments um, as we, we talked about last time, just with the bus. I think we caught up right after I got to the hotel. So did you get a different driver on the way back? Uh, we ended up getting a different driver. I don't think she was uh, too keen on uh, driving us around after that point. Uh, she was just happy to get us to the hotel in one piece. Um, but we did have, we did have another driver who we could jump into kind of the adventure that was the trip, but we had two drivers cause we're, we have two buses right now just to keep everybody as spaced apart as possible. Right. And, uh, one of the drivers, uh, we got about two days in and she had enough. So they had to actually bring in a different driver cause she just did not feel comfortable with driving on the roads. That's how bad they were. So, oh, it had nothing uh, to do with Nick to Simone partying on the bus a little too hard <laughs> or anything like no, that. Right? Nick behaving himself. Every oh, okay. <laughs> but, uh, no, I. Uh, yeah, it was just it it was uh, some treacherous conditions for sure, and if you're if you're not used to it, I'm sure it uh, it was uh, not the most comfortable thing to have right. that many people you know on a bus, and you're you basically have uh, their lives in your hands. So, I'm happy to be home, happy to be safe, and uh, certainly excited to hopefully get some games uh, under our belt over the next week or so as we'll play our next three at home. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, so far here, this is the third episode, I guess you would say, of the season, if you count the preseason episode. And uh, if you missed the first two, please go back and check the archives on Tilltown USA on all your favorite social media uh, and podcatching platforms. But um, so far, the Barracuda were supposed to have played eight games on this schedule and actually nine if you included the originally scheduled game for Stockton today that isn't or today as of this recording that is not happening uh the barracuda have only played four so far we covered the two against tucson on the last episode we got two out of three against texas uh a, a mixed result there but i think some some signs of growth there tell tell me about the the two games that you called in texas nick well, you, you mentioned that it should be nine. Actually, it should be 10 because we had our first game technically canceled. We played 
what was it, four out of a possible nine games on that road trip. We would have been playing another one, as you alluded to, had the right. schedule uh, stayed as what it was originally projected to be with Stockton going up to Canadian division. They were obviously plucked from our schedule, but um, there's some encouraging things. We've got, you know, such a young team and you deal with this every single year in the American league where you've got these young players coming in, trying to get their feet wet, getting used to the speed and, you know, the tempo and the physicality um, that, uh, that is in the, uh, the pro level, especially at the American league level. So you're going to have some growing pains, um, but the guys you expect to contribute right away and kind of hit the ground running are the guys who've been here for a couple of years. And I think that's where, you know, you find the early examples. We've only played four games, but the, you know, the early games so far, you're, you're getting contributions from the guys you expect. And that's the Alexander Trues, the Joel Shellmans, you know, the, the Jaden Hall Gawaks, uh, the Yoakum Blickfelds. You can just go down the list of these guys, these familiar names. If you follow the team over the last couple of years, you're going to recognize these names. You'll look down our roster and you only recognize about a third of them because there's so many new players, but um, you expect those guys to be able to contribute and contribute right away. And then for the young players, you hope they can get up to speed pretty quickly. And so far so good. Um, you see Jake McGrew get his first goal. You see Ozzy Weisblatt get his first goal. You see Kyle Topping get his first goal. These are all young players just trying to get used to the pro level. So to be able to find the back of the net in the first four games, I think is going to be a big confidence booster for all those guys. Obviously, Weisblatt has since returned back to junior. Topping's currently in Allen with the Americans, and McGrew's still on the roster. So, um, you know, these guys are, are moving. There's a lot of moving pieces, but um, very encouraging. I mean, the team at this point is 1-2-1. and one. Um, From a points percentage, I think it puts them at fourth in the division. Yep. Um, still a very, very small sample size, but a lot of encouraging signs so far. And um, I don't know if it's the fact that we've been away from the game for so long with the long extended break, but um, it's been fun to watch. It's been exciting. The tempo has been pretty high paced, which is uh, what you want to see. Um, and it's been a, a joy so far, uh, you know, being able to call the four games. Hopefully we can start stringing some games to, together here and get a little bit of a, a rhythm after some uh, postponements. But uh, I guess that's just going to be the nature of the beast this season is uh, you play it by ear. It's a day by day business at this point. And, you know, you just hope you can play as many as you possibly can, but who knows what the future holds. Right. You know, on the last episode, we talked about how this is going to be a season of adjustments. And I guess that's what the A stands for in AHL now is it's the adjustment hockey league. So uh, as you mentioned, we did see Ozzy Weisblatt alongside uh, Tristan Robbins go back to their WHL clubs. Still haven't heard anything about Dylan Hamiluk or Brandon Coe. So that's a, a wait and see kind of situation. And also five players were sent down to the Allen Americans, which um, I have been really wanting to ask you this for over a year at this point. And I don't know if you have any insight on this at all. You can say you don't. Um, but one of the questions that uh, I get asked all the time is why don't the Sharks have an ECHL affiliate? And looking over the last couple of years, uh, one of my common tweets going into each season has been, oh, geez, the Barracuda have 17 forwards on the roster. This is ridiculous. And then last year, they have 18 forwards on the roster. And then this year, they have 20 up. No, Manny Weeder stayed in junior. They've got 19 forwards and nine defensemen. Oh, my goodness. Like, how are the Sharks able to get by? Uh, obviously, the, the relationship with Allen Americans is still going well. The fact that they can... They sent some players before the season began down to Allen. They have this past week. Um, but 
no official affiliation with the ECHL. Um, do you have any idea what the shark standpoint is on that? Yeah, you know, my first year, first couple of years, actually, as you, as you know, the team was affiliated with Allen. Um, and then that agreement was kind of on a year to year basis. And from what I had been told, it just was not renewed. Obviously, the relationship is still pretty strong. Steve Martinson, who's the head coach and GM for that group, you know, he's still taking on players from the organization. He had Zach Sachenko there last year. And most of the players were sent to Orlando. So there's that, right. that relationship that's been built in Orlando as well. Now that's a little bit farther, obviously it's on the other side of the country. So that, that adds an additional dynamic, especially with this season. And it just kind of depends on what, you know, on what shakes out from an ECHL standpoint for Allen, they're affiliated currently with Minnesota. So it just depends on how many prospects they have. Do they need prospects? That was the situation last year with Sachenko. Um, was they didn't have room for him in Orlando. I think they had three or four goalies already under contract with yeah. Tampa Bay. So um, they had to find a spot to put Sachenko. And, you know, still with that relationship with Allen, they were able to send him there. Why the team doesn't have an Amer or an ECHL affiliate, I'm not totally sure. Cannot answer that uh, definitively. But, you know, there are financial things, if I had to guess, there are financial commitments you have to make as an NHL team, um, you know, with, you know, just – there are 31 ECHL teams, so not every NHL team has an affiliate. Um, and I think it's just kind of by preference. Um, you know, there's uh, something convenient about having your own team because you know that you're going to have first kind of pick of the litter. Right. Um, but why we don't have one currently, I can't answer it. But, um, you know, I think it helps and, and shows that the organization still has a good relationship with Allen and really with, uh, you know, even Orlando and maybe some other coast teams as well. So um, long answer. I don't really have one for you, but um, I mean, I would guess it had to, had to do something maybe financially, but at the same time, who knows, right. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it, it's just a preference, I think, at this point for the organization. Well, what it's still working for them because they are uh, able to send, assign players as needed and which is actually all the more impressive because the ECHL is definitely not app operating at full capacity this season. I, I can't remember the, the number of teams who started the year, but it has dropped since the start of the season and the Brampton beast folded altogether this past week as well. So the fact that Allen is still welcoming for players to come in when there's even more of a log jam with, with about half the teams as they, that league normally has. Um, I, I think that's impressive. But um, as much as we'd like to talk about the ECHL, let's get back to the AHL. <laughs> so uh, the last set of games that were supposed to be played were against the Tucson Roadrunners, uh, uh, the, basically the back half of the um, six-game set that they would have had with Tucson. Now, all three games were postponed because of coronavirus concerns. Uh, at least three players or three members of the Roadrunners, um, I, I assume, tested positive, but for COVID-19 related issues um, were pulled. Um, to my knowledge, and we didn't actually touch on this the last episode, so I, I do want to just put it out there real quick, and maybe you can just uh, confirm if I'm correct on this, but I, I believe that I am. 
Um, this is a separate incident from the one that the Barracuda had at the end of the preseason. Um, to my understanding, the player who tested positive for the Barracuda, it is believed it was a false positive. Uh, there were no other situations with that. That player stayed in Vegas. This is kind of a wrap up from the first episode uh, that I didn't get to, but uh, that player stayed in Vegas for quarantine, didn't travel with the team, eventually rejoined the team. Um, but am I, am I right that this is totally separate? We, we shouldn't be worried that a player from the Barracuda got three players from the Roadrunners infected, anything like that? No, no, this is completely separate. Obviously, we played Tucson to start the season and then made our way out to Texas. But yeah, this is a completely, completely separate uh, situation. And um, it's just going to be the nature of the beast this year. You know, you've got to got to expect that these things have the potential of happening. You hope they don't. You try to mitigate it as much as possible. You know, we talked about it last time with the Barracuda. Everybody's got their own separate rooms. You know, in a normal season, guys are, are basically, you know, you've got a roommate. Um, we usually have one bus. We've got two. So, you know, they're doing everything in their power Um to avoid these types of situations and that's really you know that's within the sharks organization i'm not speaking for everybody else for every other team but uh yeah it's a totally separate issue um yeah unfortunate for tucson that they, they had to, to deal with that but i think uh everybody's you know going to side on the uh the side of caution at this point just to make sure that uh, these things are, are stopped kind of in their tracks but yeah completely different Cool. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, moving on from that three game set that I guess is to be determined whether or not uh, those games are actually played because the Barracuda and the Roadrunners have no further scheduled games the rest of the season. Um, so I'm curious, I'm kind of curious to see if maybe that that game number one that got canceled turns into a postponement and maybe they get all four in. Uh, that's a lot to squeeze in. So um, I guess we'll see on that. But the next game is going to be on, uh, what's today's date? Tuesday. So it'll be Thursday against the Bar the Bakersfield Condors, the affiliate of the Edmonton Oilers. And uh, I think that's some home cooking is going to be good for these guys. I mean, I think the Barracuda uh, put up good efforts in all four games that they played on the road, but it must be nice being home. I mean, even for, for you, I'm sure it's, it's great being back home and, uh, but this game is this game going to be at Solar for America Ice? Um, I, I'm going to follow up on that, but I just want to ask you, uh, what what are your thoughts about the upcoming game against Bakersfield? Yeah, so the next three games are actually going to be at Solar for America Ice. We'll be playing, I think it's seven games in total, um, out of what is now 19 home games. Two of right. those games played in Tucson. Seven will be played at Solar for America Ice, and then. The remainder of the games were played at SAP Center. What's different about this year than years past is there's no double days. You know, you'll get the Barracuda playing in the afternoon, the Sharks playing at night. That's not happening. Um, and then they've got to have, you know, a certain amount of time where the building can kind of, you know, switch between the two. They don't want any uh, intermingling between the two teams and between, you know, the Sharks and whatever NHL team is in town. They don't want anything crossing over. That being said, the Barracuda are basically following the same protocols the NHL is. So everybody's getting tested before they come into the building. You have to have a, you know, a negative test before you can enter either building. So the Barracuda are following all the NHL protocols. So that way there's, you know, an easier transition for players go going up and down. And that was kind of part of, part of what the league mandated. So um, 
you know, excited to be back home. I think everybody's excited. You heard it from the Sharks a couple of weeks ago when they finally returned back home. There was just this kind of joy that was felt through the locker room. I think the same thing can be said for um, for the American League guys as well. You know, a lot of these guys, they live together in terms of having roommates. You know, the NHL guys, they're older, they have families. So for them, it's returning back to their families. I think for the younger guys, it's just having some semblance of consistency. And for some of these guys, they hadn't even been to San Jose, at least not since <laughs> yeah. development camp two years ago. Um, for the for the really young guys, um, you know, Weisblatt and Robbins, they didn't get a chance to even make their way out to San Jose, but Brandon Coe, who hadn't been here, an opportunity for him. So um, just getting comfortable with the city, and it, it's not bad. You were, you're spending time in Texas where it's completely frozen over. You're able to come back to the Bay Area, and it's in the 70s, and it's been beautiful the last few days. So, um, yeah, when it comes to Bakersfield, I think there's some pieces left from their really good team they had a couple years ago. Right. Um, just looking at the roster, they've got a couple prospects um, who who are highly touted as well. A couple second rounders um, on their roster. Uh, a team that kind of struggled out of the gate so far. Uh, it'll be our first time seeing them, but they lost their first five. I think they've reeled off their last two. So um, it'll be fun. It'll be fun to kick it off against Bakersfield and then two games against Ontario on um, on Saturday and Sunday. So. I know everybody's excited to be home. I mean, it's been nice to practice at home. It's been nice for, for guys to be able to settle into the city. And um, I know a person I can, I can speak for myself. It's, it's been really nice to be home. I know my girlfriend is happy. I'm home. Uh, my puppy's happy. I'm home. So um, at least they're, they're, they're actually like they're happy. I'm home. So it's, it's been good so far. Right on. Well, I think the game on Thursday is going to be an interesting mix uh, between the very young Barracuda, which I mean, that's that's almost uh you know you don't even need to mention the very young barracuda because it's i believe four years running where they are either the youngest or second youngest team in all of north american pro hockey so uh but versus a more veteran lineup in bakersfield i i guess you'd say veteran because joe gambardell has been there a couple of years tyler benson's been there a couple of years you've got uh, Alan Quine, who I'm looking at zero goals in seven games, and he always finds a way to hit the back of the net against the Barracuda. So uh, that's a little worrisome <laughs> for me. Um, but uh, Adam Cracknell was brought back from Europe to uh, play this season for Bakersfield. So uh, Ryan Stanton on the back end. So it's going to be an interesting mix of experience for Bakersfield versus the youth and hopefully exuberance of the Barracuda. It should be a good game. So I'm looking looking forward to catching that. Um, I do want to, since since this game is being played at Solar for America Ice, uh, I will uh, ask you, because only seven games of the 19 you mentioned are being played there. Do you have any um, perspective as to why maybe not all of the games are being played at Solar for America Ice because building costs are generally high, um, running out of an NHL arena. Um, do, you, do you think they that maybe it's like having a blend kind of keeps players on their toes and gets them kind of a taste of how it is being in a more cavernous building like SAP Center? Um, is, is there any anything behind only the seven games versus maybe all of the games being at solar for america ice to be honest it's actually easier for maybe not for the equipment guys because they've got to you know carry the equipment back and forth between the two buildings and it's a little bit different a different setup but from a building standpoint it's actually much easier to operate out of sap center oh okay the biggest problem this year again is the double days and just the 
the schedule and adjusting to the schedule and, and everything that has gone on to it, it gone into it, pardon me. So that's really, that is the, the answer right there is the fact that, you know, you can't have these double days. They've got to, to get the building cleaned out and they're, you know, with the, the COVID protocols and getting people in and out of the building. Um, that is the reason why they're playing these seven games at S4A. I don't think that would be, even with no fans, that's not what they would choose, I think, organizationally, if they had to choose between the two. So, um, you know, eventually in a couple of years, we'll, we'll have our own building. And right. We'll be at Solar for America Ice on a full-time basis, but in an arena. So um, I think once we get a couple games under our belt, things will be much more streamlined. Um, you know, as you would imagine, we're dealing with, setting up AHL TV and getting, you know, wires and cables hooked up in a situation, in an environment that uh, we would not be in normally. So get past that first game. I think we'll be, we'll be cruising along, but um, yeah, that is, that's the main reason why we're playing these seven games at, at solar is because of uh, you know, the conflict with the shark schedule and just the building as a whole. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, on one of the previous after darks, I was looking because the AHL on the original schedule that had Stockton uh, in the division, it listed which games would be at Solar for America Ice. But the the one that came out, the second schedule actually didn't say say what. So uh, just kind of uh, hat tip to puck guy who figured out that there was a scheduling conflict on the 25th on Thursday for uh, why, how we figured out that that game would be at Solar for America Ice. And then the two afterwards were already scheduled. Those were originally scheduled games. So um, I, I guess it really, it doesn't matter in a way because fans aren't able to attend sadly, but still for just the sake of knowledge. Um, I know over the past couple of seasons, we've had a, had a, a running joke about after that that long winning streak the Barracuda had a few years ago, and then because of that, was it a Bon Jovi concert or something, moved the team over to Solar for America Ice, and we lost to the Texas Stars. Blame Bon Jovi for all of the Barracuda problem. Anytime there's a problem, it's Bon Jovi's fault. So there you go. <laughs> yes, um, I, uh, I, I have not forgotten that either. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. I always think about that because I think the bear, I think it was a 14 game winning streak. At the yeah. Time. It was some, I know it was over 12 and I, and I believe it was a one, nothing loss and it may have. It, was it a shootout was, loss too? It, I believe it was a one, nothing shootout loss. So <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. That, that was a magical year. That was year number one for me, but um, yeah, you'll never forget that because they were on that winning streak and it all came to a, came to a halt because of the one game that was played over at S4A. But um I guess the, what do they say in basketball? The, the ball doesn't lie. I guess the puck doesn't lie either. So right. both teams are playing on the same surface. Well, you know, Bon Jovi being a, a New Jersey band, if the Barracuda ever go to the Calder Cup finals against the Binghamton Devils, we will be sure to boo them extra heavily loud when we are allowed to go back to games. So, um, but uh, I do just, before we wrap up the show, I just kind of want to talk about some roster moves. We already mentioned the roster moves earlier, but Christian Yarosh is a player who's been a little bit interesting. He was uh, acquired before the start of the AHL season when Trevor Carrick was moved in that three-team trade. But Christian Yarosh has not suited up yet, and there was uh, a quarantine situation going on there coming from Canada into the United States. He had to quarantine for two weeks, but, and I imagine there were some visa issues that probably 
needed to be sorted out. But was Yarosh scheduled to pl- uh, play one of the games against Tucson, perhaps? Because I'm I was surprised he didn't suit up against Texas, and we haven't heard a whole lot of that. So, do you have any idea what's yeah, going on with this? I was I was a little bit on the same boat. wasn't sure exactly where he was. Um, he was not with the team in Texas, but okay. I did get word that he was in Tucson and he was waiting for the team to arrive. Oh, okay. um, he had been skating in in Arizona, just kind of waiting for the group to return. Um, and then, of course, with the games being postponed against Tucson, um, I believe, and I could be wrong, I believe. Um, he traveled back. He traveled back with with somebody. He did not fly on the plane, so I don't know if it was a fellow player or a staffer, but um, he did travel back. So he, I, I would expect him to play on Thursday, and I expect him to be into the lineup. So, um, still doing some of my research heading into this game, but I, I don't think he's played any preseason games. No, um, and maybe so one for Belleville. You got to go back. All yeah, that's what I was. That, that's what I was curious. Actually, about. no, because Belleville wasn't allowed to play because of the Ontario restrictions. So there you go. So it's been a long time since he's played games. He's been practicing all week with the team. So um, probably just trying to get his, get his legs um, under him as he gets ready for, for game action. But I would uh, I would expect. I've not seen the lineup, but I would expect him to play on Thursday. Sure, sure. And then Joseph Koronash was sent back down from the Sharks taxi squad. So I assume we he'll be getting the start Thursday, perhaps. Uh, I know yeah. we saw Sam Harvey start both games in Texas. I was surprised Sachenko didn't get one, but um, Koronash back in? Yeah, yeah, I was expecting Sachenko to probably right. play Koja on Nash. We talked Tuesday. about that on the last show. Koja Nash. Um, yeah, I, I was expecting Sachenko to play on Tuesday. Um, with Yosef coming back down, uh, coming back to the American Hockey League, getting assigned, um, I would expect him to probably play on Thursday. Um, you know, he's he's one of the organization's biggest goaltending prospects. Um, they want to get him games. Hasn't played in a while. He's been stashed away on the taxi squad. So um, I would expect him to play on Thursday. If he doesn't play Thursday, certainly uh, on Saturday or Sunday. Cool. Right on. Um now, Ozzy Weisblatt was sent back, and, and Tristan Robbins as well. Weisblatt got his first professional goal. Uh, love the excitement. I'm, I'm, I err on the side of show your emotion when you score goals. So I, I loved seeing that. Um, do you think there's, you know, do you think there were positive things that you saw in his game that you can take back to the W and hopefully just be a better player? Uh, how, what were your overall thoughts on Weisblatt and Robbins? Yeah, I mean. This is, this is a situation that you'd never get to see, right? We, we spoke about it a little bit last time with mm-hmm. two young players who would have been back in junior. Instead, they get uh, an early taste of the pro game. And both of them, you know, great kids. Uh, I think everybody enjoyed them being in the locker room, uh, brought a nice, you know, youthfulness. They were excited to be there. Um, guys were happy to have them. So you'd imagine them going back their confidence is going to just be that much higher. You're playing against pros. You have a little bit of success. I thought both of them were pretty effective. You see, you know, Weisblatt score that first goal and a great celebration. Fatic kind of double fist pump. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's my celebration. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, it's great to have these young guys and I think it'll be, it'll be great for them to go back and, and you know, get some games and continue to, to develop. Um, still really, you know, very early in their, in their careers, obviously still have uh, some junior eligibility as well. So 
Um, certainly, I would imagine they'll go back and be even more confident players. I had a chance to catch up with uh, Barracuda GM Joe Will earlier this week, and cool. you know he recognizes how important that was and the fact that they didn't even get to shake these guys' hands on draft day. They didn't have a development camp. They didn't get an opportunity to kind of build these relationships with these young players, although you know, you do your pre-draft stuff, you get a feel for who they are as human beings. And, and that's going to be a big factor when you decide to draft them and have them join your organization. But, um, you know, this was a great chance for, for them to get assimilated. They didn't go into the Sharks training camp, as you, you may see, you know, in a, again, a normal year where they're able to be around, you know, a Brent Burns or, or you know, you go into all the veterans, a Logan Couture. So, you know, they didn't get that experience, but they did get the American League experience and, and they got to understand and get it in a taste for, for the pro level. So uh, what a valuable opportunity. And we could right. see them again at the end of the year is, is kind of what Joe Will said. If their seasons wrap up quickly, we may even see some guys who who finish up their, their college careers because the, the college season's expected to end in about a month. Scott Reedy could be a guy who's coming in, certainly, who's having a really nice year. Um, so there's some guys from the college ranks we may see. Um, he even said Ivan Djokovic could be a guy who comes back from the KHL at the end of the year. So some guys who are there um, that, that we could see at the end of the year, and we may see these guys back again. So um, what, a, what a great experience for them. It was great to have them around. It's fun to see, uh, see these guys a little bit earlier than we might in a regular season. But, um, yeah, they're going to go back. Uh, I don't know the exact situation in the WHL, but I know that East Division is the one that's going to be playing. The West okay. is still kind of uh, trying to figure out what their plan is. Not sure if it's a border issue because they've got, you know, some American teams in that in that Western right. division. But um, these guys are going to go back. I know they've got a quarantine. And then I believe they're playing in almost kind of a bubble situation when they do get back there. So um, it'll be interested, interesting how things shake out. But I know for a fact that uh, uh, they really enjoyed their time in San Jose and, and just getting a taste of what it was like to, to be a pro hockey player. Right on, right on. Well, I know that some of the folks who sent me uh, tweets at Kevin Lacey 22, and of course you can send them to at Nick Nolan, that's Nick's Twitter, um, N-O-L-L-E-N, uh, were asking about Weissblatt, and uh, I've gotten some tweets about Jake McGrew, uh, Zach Galantz, another one. So we'll, we'll touch up on these players in future episodes as the, as the season moves along. Um, Jochen Blickfeld, I think, has uh, really, really shined so far with the six points in four games. And I always rave about his lethal shot, his NHL level shot that he had even in his draft year. Pretty incredible. So uh, look forward to seeing him on that. Um, so we'll talk about those on future episodes. And folks, if you uh, haven't already uh, subscribe to Till Town USA. Now's the time to do so. Since we do kind of do these shows infrequently, we want to make sure that you hit the little alarm bell down in the corner uh, so that you know the next time that Nick and I are on in the reef here. Um, so I'm going to ask you the most ball-busting question of the, of the show. Where can I get one of those Barracuda masks with the little number on it. That's what I want to know. Because <laughs> I've seen the, the YouTube videos, the player interviews that you've done. And, and I think those are pretty sweet. And I'm like, if I could just get a little number 22 right there with the Barracuda, that'd be pretty sweet. So I was actually, uh, it's funny you say that because I was talking to our equipment manager, um, Mike Murphy just the other day about them. I, I'm kind of, I would say almost a little bit of a, more of a goalie equipment nerd. Yeah, oh, I think everybody, okay. everybody loves goalie equipment. I was a, I love Patrick was a kid. So I still kind of have, I, I didn't play goal as a kid, but I just kind of enjoy equipment. So we'll go back and forth, but I was asking him a little bit about the, the yeah. Masks and uh, 
I think he told me that he had the the, the logos um, put on by by an outside company, but then he was the one who put on put the numbers on. So um, he did them all by hand. So I don't know those things. Uh, I even got one of those, but I will I'll put in the word for you. Uh, in case <laughs> one just happens to end up on my desk. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Tell them, tell them local podcaster wants number twenty two mask and. Uh, We'll make it happen, right? No, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no pressure. No, I'm kidding, though. But always a pleasure having you on, Nick, in the reef here. Um, any any final thoughts uh, going into uh, this weekend's games here? Because it's nice to be home, right? It is certainly nice to be home. We've got, um, as you mentioned, we've got the next three games that'll be at Solar for America Ice. And although there will be no fans, um, a reminder, you can watch the games as always, AHL TV. It's a small fee, very affordable. And if you don't want to watch the games, if you want to listen for free, we will be on the airwaves as well. So we'll have our pregame show starting on Thursday at 5.30, um, on Saturday and Sunday starting a half hour before. So at 4.30, um, you can listen on the Sharks Plus SAP Center app and also on our website at sjbarracuda.com slash listen. So um we hope you tune in and uh, as always i appreciate you having me on it's always fun to talk about this team it's a it's a young and exciting group and a lot of young prospects i think fans should uh should uh, get to know pretty soon because it's an exciting group definitely you know as i as i close the show i don't have any like amazing quote pulled from kuda confidential this week <laughs> to end the show on or anything like that but kind of in 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 the same line uh even though we can't be there folks uh we can watch these games on the internet and listen and it's just really cool to be able to say hey i watched that player uh when he was 19 20 years old well not 19 anymore except for like hamaluck but 20 21 years old uh breaking into the league and you know a lot of great players have have come from the american hockey league or the the Adjustment Hockey League. So uh, until next time, I'm Kevin Lacey, and we'll see you in the reef.